we are not detrimentally talking about the wares and the good work that we do in learning and development, right? And and that that to me is plain and simple counterproductive. Because here's the deal, Jyoti. Learning and development can have the same opportunity to go beyond just function and define a meaningful place for themselves in the minds of their employees and the hearts of their employees. What is the unique emotional customer promise that learning and development is espousing? That's the question that we need to ask in order to create the, the brand identity. Brand gives you that vehicle in order to, you know, kind of see to it that you deliver those messages and what you stand for. So there is where the brand is required. People get to have the trust in you that here is our learning and development department within the organization that gives me a multi-channel device agnostic anytime, anywhere learning. Welcome to the Stars of Learning podcast, where your host Jyoti Ji explores the minds of the thought leaders who have vast experience and in-depth knowledge in the learning industry. Now over to your host Jyoti Ji. Welcome on to the Stars of Learning podcast and my name is Jyoti G and I'm your host for the show and each fortnight I interview the thought leaders in the learning industry who will share their best practices of learning in the 21st century. We will also discuss challenges, solutions, latest trends, tools, technology, leadership and their journey in the learning field. So friends, First of all, should L&D be a brand element? Employer branding has long been a buzzword in recruiting and experts say it's time for learning and development to get in on to the action. I read in one of the articles in Training Industry Magazine that it's important that learning and development department worldwide realize the importance of creating a significant brand for themselves. I'm sure you will agree that L&D conveys a focus on people and we as a L&D department has ability to deliver more engagement, a stronger value proposition and it's important that we become a central component to employer branding. In this VUCA world, change is constant and it's high time to think does your learning and development organization have a brand identity? So let's listen from an expert, Vishal Kale, Director, Talent Management and Organization Development at Capgemini, who has given an inspiring talk on power of a strong L&D brand, enhancing your work profile to increase learners' engagement at L&D World Summit 2019. Friends, this was definitely an eye-opener for me when I heard the whole length and breadth and I requested Vishal on the LinkedIn to share his thoughts on my podcast and he was more than willing to you know join as a guest and you know share this knowledge. What more easy is to get an expert to talk and that would exponentially save our time to know the importance of the learning and development brand that constitutes of how does one go about creating an appealing brand and best practices to get started, what are the nitty-gritties, and the whole lot, friends. So today, we will have a conversation with one and only Vishal Kale on the topic, Power of a Strong L&D Brand. A quick, brief intro about Vishal. Vishal, who is handling talent management, OD, and learning and development needs for one of the business units in Capgemini. He's also worked with a few Jane companies like Subray Corporation, Safient, Dell, and his full spectrum is being in the talent management and learning and development initiatives. He's a professional with close to 17 plus years of experience in encompassing organizational effectiveness, organizational development, and leadership development. A keen and trained and eye in recognizing OD pain points and leadership development gaps, designing and developing a customized and implemented solution to cater to these needs in a timely manner. He has designed and implemented a cadence of learning retention, accountability and workplace transference of skills for all the major programs in the learning and development portfolio. 
he's also institutionalized initiatives like wisdom within and outside in as avenues of learning from others a thorough team player with an eye for detail have a robust of understanding of what talent looks to leadership to deliver results and is always in pursuit of excellence and what more he is also a top rated speaker at learning and development world summit and awards 2019 without any further delay let me welcome my guest vishal kale once again a warm welcome vishal to stars of learning podcast and i'm so so happy that you are joining me today thank you so very much jyoti thanks for having me over here and congratulations on really kind of doing it for the learning and development fraternity which is your podcast i think it is a brilliant way of really kind of getting into the minds and hearts of a lot of uh, professionals like yourself and myself in order to understand the various things that are kind of being handled by us on a day to day basis in the learning and development and talent management world so thank you very much for this podcast thanks thanks and glad and uh, honor to have you on my podcast vishal so vishal today we are talking in specific to learning and development and power of a strong lnd brand and we all know that you know a brand is what sets companies apart from competitors help them to create their own footprint and provides the right direction to their workforce branding has uh, spread its wing it has influenced over today's learning function as well and before we get into the specific of lnd brand what exactly is a brand and why and all of that let's begin with a little background about yourself vishal how you got into from mechanical engineering background with a full fledged hr professional and now in lnd space right absolutely i think that's a fascinating journey for me and you know i have interviewed and i i talked to a lot of hr and learning and development professionals and i heard that you know what vishal i just fell into the learning and development or an hr professional it just happened to me but in my, my story is a little boring and a little different uh, because it was a very deliberate choice that i made that i wanted to kind of invest my life in the field of hr specifically learning and development and i realized this in the third semester of my mechanical engineering where i where i realized that it, i was not meant for machines uh, i was not meant to kind of probably sit in front of a computer and i really did a little bit of soul searching and i found out that if there are a couple of things that i'm really good at doing at 3 o'clock in the morning it would be reading and speaking and probably explaining concepts to people in a way that probably makes sense to them so then i began to kind of work backwards as to what could be the various professions that would help me do that and the answer was first do your mba after your engineering and probably specialize in learning and development because that is where learning and teaching is involved to a certain extent at least uh, and i'm not talking about talent management here but just learning and development so it was a fairly deliberate move to to kind of get into the learning and development space you know uh, i read somewhere jyoti that you have a job you have a career or you have a calling right mm. and for me learning and development was a calling it was not you know the career and the job just happens uh, i just built about 17 years of experience as you said at the top of the podcast mm. in the field of learning and development and talent management it is but it is certainly a calling you know it's something that i would like to do for the rest of my life wow fantastic and i can relate to your passion on people and their development and that in the lnd space and i can resonate at my home my son is also doing a mechanical engineering but i see somewhere that passion for people connection and all of it's there i'll definitely ask him to listen to this particular podcast to know about how you have shifted from okay all right lnd yeah i do not know whether i'll be able to be an inspiration to someone but if it all my life of a thought provoking nature then that's really nice <laughs> definitely it's not about the job or the career right the what is that it's calling i think mm-hmm. that's a profound info what you have shared and i'm glad you brought that in my podcast because that's the journey people should actually strive for mm-hmm. yeah surely surely absolutely yeah So we shall moving on now for our uh, discussion on the L&D brand topic what constitutes an L&D brand and how do we manage it So let me just probably take us back and you know kind of really understand a brand is probably required in our day and times right so 
I think the one way of, of knowing about it is, you know, according towards maturity.org, 56% of learning and development professionals do not have a plan that engages all of the stakeholders. Now, that to me is a classical definition of passive aggressive behavior, because on the one hand, we would like our people to attend, appreciate, talk and be fans of learning and development. And on the other hand, we are not detrimentally talking about the wares and the good work that we do in learning and development, right? And and that, that to me is plain and simple counterproductive. Because here's the deal, Jyoti. Mm. I think if you have a learning and development department, you have a brand that goes with it. Whether you like it or know whether that brand conveys right messages to the right audience and stakeholders is a very different conversation. But mm. if you have a department of learning and development, whether organically or inorganically, you have a brand. It's a little bit like, you know, a farm, right? I mean, something grows in the farm, right? Whether it is going to be a patch of weeds or whether it's going to be a bountiful garden is going to be completely dependent upon us. Mm -hmm. And there is where a very planned, deliberate approach of cultivating the learning and development brand becomes critically important in our data and times, wherein, you know, you've got to see to it that you occupy the right mind space in the minds of the people so that there is a top of the mind recall, as well as they rely upon you to deliver the goods that you're supposed to be delivering. So a brand gives you that vehicle in order to, you know, kind of see to it that you deliver those messages and what you stand for. So there is where the brand is required. Hmm. Interesting. And uh, you did mention brand should be used like a vehicle and uh, insightful in your experience. How does one go about building a sticky L&D brand? So, um, you know, let me again just probably pull you back and and kind of answer as to why branding is more important than ever and and probably piggyback on some of the things that uh, I was talking about in, Mm. in the recent past, right? So I think Branding is important because you want a brand to take care of the user experience. And what do I mean by the user experience? Now, a lot of people are spending more time online with brands that are dedicated to providing a seamless, multi-channel, device-agnostic experience, right? Because the learner of today is impatient, overwhelmed, and distracted. With less than 1% of the work week or 24 minutes to focus on learning and development activities, which essentially means that he or she has just about the time to browse for that specific tip to deal with that specific problem at hand just in time in here and now, right? So you want to have a story to tell the people that, hey, if at all we have got all of these resources, you've got to tell the story that we are a multi-channel, multi-experience, device agnostic kind of a thing so that People get to have the trust in you that here is our learning and development department within the organization that gives me a multi-channel device agnostic anytime, anywhere learning. So that that is one of the things that possibly a brand can help you deliver, which is user experience. I think the other thing that is important is, uh, you know, a sense of purpose, right? Again, if at all you were to look at me and the way we consume, you know, uh, services and products, we are not just uh, we are becoming much more discerning in making purchasing decisions, not just based on cost or convenience or quality, right? I mean, we really value things like trust and relationships and making a difference, right? right. Uh, and that is becoming important for the consumer of today, right? Think about CEO activism, Jyoti. I mean, you know, if you think about this entire phenomenon of CEO activism, what exactly is happening? The people are saying that you know, are probably not trusting the government and the political institutions a whole lot more in order to solve certain issues. And therefore, they are now turning to the CEOs of the organizations of various organizations and saying, can you deal with issues concerning, let's just say, social or environmental or governance, right? And in a similar way, what people are saying is that it is not just that you're Amazon or you're Microsoft or you're Google, right? Tell us, why do you do what what you do, right? I mean, it is much more beyond functionality. Hmm. I think that is the same thing that is applicable to progressive learning and development brands in that we have got to understand the difference between purpose and functionality or a cause, right? So Hmm. a cause is probably just rolling out a leadership development program. But why are you doing it? Is it because you is somebody told you to do it or is there a, something greater that is at play over here, which is the purpose? 
So if your purpose until now has just been quote-unquote delivering training, then will people trust a new social initiative you have planned without some serious context setting and repositioning, right? Mm -hmm. So if your brand has been more about enabling learning or let's just say improving performance or supporting productivity, then there is more space for your internal customers to become a part of it. So I think branding is one of those, as I said, vehicles, and I'll probably keep on repeating this term, Mm It is one of those, you know, channels where you can tell this greater purpose as to why you are existing and what is the greater reason as to how you can serve the organization, right? So I think, you know, branding can convey the sense of purpose. Uh, I think the other one, the third one is what I think most of the learning and development, in fact, most of the organizations adopt something that is known as the pull strategy versus the push strategy, right? Um, I think learning and development can also make a compelling case in order to portray your strategy of pull. Because here's the deal. I mean, if you think about, you know, the future of learning, it is no longer about information ownership by the learning and development department, Hmm. but it is more about presence. It's more about context. It is more about experience, right? Hmm. Learning and development is no longer the owner of a content, but only an orchestrator and a curator. You know, think about it as a museum, Jyoti. I mean, you enter into, you are a museum curator, okay? And you enter, the people who want to see the museum, enter into the museum. You show to them that this is the Mona Lisa. This is, you know, David by Michelangelo. Or you can show them whatever, you know, Last Supper and all of that. Uh, And you've got the learners get to choose what is the kind of time they want to spend with any, any exhibit. But your job is to see to it that the exhibits are world-class and you create a compelling case as to why they should be going to that exhibit, right? It is no longer about, you know what, this is what the CEO has said or this is what the HR head has said and therefore this program needs to be taken by anyone and everyone. And I think this to me is the root or the center of what we are now calling in the modern world, you know, the entire of the learning and development ecosystem being learner centric, right? So it is all about the learner. It is how we co-create courses, how we create those learning experience in a design thinking way with the help of our learners. And that story can be pretty much conveyed across in a very efficient way through through branding right mm. i think the the fourth thing is again probably more important and that is uh, you know the story that branding can convey around learning culture now if you think about the learning culture think about an iceberg right there is a part of the iceberg that is visible and there is a part 90% they say that is not visible to the naked eye now the visible part of your culture is all about your excellent learning and development skills your strong learning and development processes maybe swanky content robust platform and technology all of this is visible to anybody who wants to look at your department right, right. but there is another part of the culture which is hidden the hidden part you know constitute things like Uh, Is there time to reflect and contemplate? Do people get, you know, sufficient amount of hours for learning? Do people share, you know, concerns and information openly? Do they ask questions openly? You know, uh, does the, is there leadership endorsement? Does a leader stand up and say that, you know what, I attended this program or a bunch of my people attended this program. It is definitely going to be worth your time. The other more important part of the learning culture, which is invisible, is that do we support and reward our subject matter experts, our SMEs, right? Because they are going to be turning out their time out of their busy schedules and coaching and mentoring someone. So do we do we reward them? Do we recognize them, right? So if you have got this thought going on in your head about creating this part of the iceberg that is visible, and more importantly, part of the iceberg that is not visible to the people, I think brand can be, again, a beautiful vehicle to tell that story that we are not just about rolling out courses or platforms, but we are here to create a culture wherein leadership are involved, you know, the SMEs are are, are rewarded, there is time for you to learn and reflect, and there is an open atmosphere for you to kind of ask questions Mm -hmm. and share information openly. I think the last but not the least part, which is uh, required, which could be possibly, you know, be served through branding, Mm -hmm. is the entire thing about, you know, 
competing for attention, right? I was reading somewhere, Jyoti, that the average attention span for an adult has reduced from 15 seconds in 2000 to about 8.25 seconds in 2015. And I would like to venture out in saying that it has reduced even further in 2020 or 2019, right? So with this kind of deficit of attention, you know, there are a lot of terms that are coined around an attention economy. The people who, or the advertisers who get your attention also get to sell their products, right? So <laughs> it's important that you kind of create that love for learning, love for your portal, love for your courses by putting out your stories and your content in such a way that captures the hearts and minds of your people. And what we can learn from the marketeers is that there are sufficient tools to kind of really see to it that you hook on people to whatever it is that you are trying to kind of promulgate with respect to your your learning and development program. So a brand becomes that vehicle again over here. Yeah, wonderful. Glad you brought in, you know, uh, some five key elements which you spoke about, the multi-channel, sense of purpose, pull versus push, iceberg, competition for competing for attention. Wonderful insights and the analogy I liked about the museum and the iceberg, which people can reflect and, you know, start looking at these in a, you know, different types. And are you saying we need to engage different types of learner? Because you did say that, you know, leaders should be engaged. Internal customers need to be part of it. Uh, can you be more specific or give some example how L&D need to engage? So I think one of the things of probably you asked me the question a little while ago as to what constitute a sticky learning and development brand. And I think one of the ways of really kind of going about doing that is to really understand your audience. And I, I think this particular point is not something that is new or novel uh, with respect to the learning and development fraternity. But I think there is a little bit of a spin to it. So when you're trying to understand the audience, I think it is, it's an attempt that is made by you to understand your employees as human beings and people, right? Mm -hmm. And human beings and people like you and I also have got struggles, also have concerns, have got, you know, aspirations, both from a professional and a personal perspective, right? Mm -hmm. So if you take on and, and don the hat of a marketeer, there are various tools that you can use, maybe a survey or a face-to-face -face interview to really understand what are the professional goals and personal goals of your learners. And hopefully after, you know, a bunch of interviews and surveys, I personally prefer an interview to a survey because it becomes a lot more personal. After such kind of interviews and surveys, hopefully you will arrive at three or four, what I'm calling as learner personas, mm -hmm. uh, that you can target your learning and development initiative towards, right? So mm -hmm. you can build upon those learner personas and, and kind of really see to it that it's a very pointed, it's a very focused campaign that run to address the needs of those learners and how your learning and development programs can meet those learner requirements from a holistic perspective. So this is one of the ways of going about doing it. Hmm. Wonderful. And uh, while we are working on building upon the learning persona, do we also need to create brand ambassadors for L&D? Oh, absolutely. So, you know, one of the things that I would probably like to say is that if you think about the three or four learner personas that I was talking about, mm -hmm. one of the learner personas could be somebody whom we could call as constant learners, right? Mm -hmm. Now, these are the people who have got an intrinsic motivation to learn, right? Mm -hmm. They are constantly on the lookout for new skills, new technology, new way of working, you know, methodologies to up your productivity, so on and so forth. So these are your classical people who can, you know, probably be what, again, we, we could call it in number, number of terms, but you could call them as learning teams, right? They are going to be the closest to the floor. They are very much interested in learning. They are also in love with your learning and development programs because these are also the people who attend your training programs a whole lot. Right. So what you can do is that you can make them as learning ambassadors and a couple of jobs, if you may, mm -hmm. that you can possibly give them is that, hey, we are piloting this program. 
let's just say after a couple of pilots, these people can come back to you with, you know, on the ground feedback as to how people have found your program, right? Hmm. The other way that you could possibly use these learning ambassadors is actually talking about the goodness of your programs, right? Hmm. If they have been benefited, then they have got to give concrete examples as to how they have been benefited. Uh, did attending a learning and development program that you formulated result in, let's just say, a promotion? Or did it result in they, you know, kind of getting a project or a deal with, with their customers, right? So the, the learning ambassadors could also act as a way of showcasing that there are practical examples uh, wherein your learning and development programs have worked. Because it's one thing you talking about your program, but it's a very, very different thing if somebody else talks about your program. So if you understand the concept of the net promoter score, right? So the net promoter score concept is wherein the the person who is the targeted buyer has got a lot of trust from a family or a friend, Hmm. right? So if a family or a friend probably suggests a product or a service, then the, the person buying that uh, service or a product is a whole lot more higher, right? So there is where the brand ambassadors come into play. Yeah, interesting uh, perspective, uh, Vishal. Vishal, uh, I'm curious now to know how do we build a brand identity? And before that, it just flashed for me because you spoke about the survey for individuals on professional and personal, right? Do we need to perform stakeholder research also, like a dipstick kind to understand how our L&D organization is perceived by our various audiences? Oh, absolutely. I think it is completely critical for us to kind of take a design thinking approach in order to understand what really matters to the people. And it could be different tenure across the tenure spectrum, across the hierarchy spectrum. Hmm. And some of the questions that you can ask is that, Hey, Mr. Manager, what do you think learning and development does, right? What kind of programs do you think you have consumed in the past or your team has consumed in the past? Uh, what kind of value has learning and development programs given to your team, right? Mm-hmm. And how have you applied some of the things that, you know, we have dished out to improve your own department or your own people, right? So I think that would be a good gauge of understanding, A, where do does learning and development department stand in the eyes of your stakeholders? And some of those conversations might be a little inconvenient to you because people might say that I don't find value, right? Yeah. So, and, and that's a part of the design thinking process, right? Mm-hmm. You've got to kind of see to it that you go with the hypothesis, you build upon mm-hmm. uh, some of the prototypes, you try out the prototype with uh, and having an empathetic view of your end user and iterate, right? And in a very agile mindset. So, you know, some of the some of the answers that you might be getting might be inconvenient, but it is an absolute must step to do in order to see to it that, you know, to the point or to the need programs are developed by you that is going to be having a lasting effect on your audience. Yeah, exactly. I think the kind of a report which comes should be an eye opener and it should resonate where we can value add in the process. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. True. Okay, great. I think. Uh, I think you also questions. asked me. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think you also asked me. I, I remember. Sorry to cut you, but I think you also asked me about what constitutes a learning and development brand, and I would like to probably talk about that because it's important. Hmm. Um, I think you know, if you think about a brand, uh, or rather, let's kind of think about learning and development itself. I think learning and development should be in servitude of your talent management goals. Your talent management goals should be in servitude of your strategic goals and objectives of your company. So, for example, let's just say one of the strategic objectives of your company is to enter into the virgin market. Let's just say Africa, right? I mean, I'm sure not. I'm not too sure whether Africa is a virgin market anymore, but let's let's for argument's sake. Hmm. Now, the talent management goal there would be to have, let's just say, a pool of ready now six to eight SVP level individuals span uh, business units and geographies with interest and adeptness and let's just say strategic and commercial acumen that can possibly be a continent manager or a country manager, right? Hmm. So are you, are you understanding? So your, your, your strategic goal is, was to enter into a virgin market. Your talent management goal is to have 
a cohort of six to eight people ready for that this and then you start building your learning and development engine in order to serve those talent management goals and finally your strategic objectives right so this is one of the ways of seeing to it that you are in complete sync with what is happening in the company because a lot of people will say that you know what learning and development is a good to have organization but in our date and time wherein the technical skills are probably having relevance three years leadership skills probably will be having relevance for about seven eight years i think it is important for us to realize that learning and constant uh, upskilling and reskilling and being a lifelong learner is not just good for the individual it is good, good going to be good for the uh, you know for the organization as well so i think it is important for us to as learning and development professionals to be very very adept at realizing this link that learning and development serves talent management talent management serves strategic objectives in order to craft out the the relevant programs but having said that jyoti i would like to hasten to add that it is not just only about top down approach your learning and development courses should not be only dictated by what is happening at the strategic level it should be also appealing to what's in it for me for the learner right so if i were to attend a program and i'm a new manager right am i am i going to learn a couple of tricks and tools in order to become a better manager or am i going to going to get some productivity tools or am i kind of probably able to handle peers better or am i able to sell better so you know it it has to be this golden balance between what the organization wants and what your learner wants right yes. and you know the other thing that i have always found helpful in getting those budgets from my ceo is to kind of really you know always talk this particular linkage right hmm. the the learning and development serving ta- talent management talent management serving strategy because your your ceo is going to be falling in love with you after you you know share that linkage with with him or her <laughs> right. because you know if you're going to be talking the business language and how whatever it is that you are doing is going to be serving the business objectives anybody would be able to kind of give you what you want more or less right so that's that's what i feel constitutes a learning and development brand so very important to have hand in hand with the delivery and the talent and that strategic view that's a great insight and uh, we spoke about all the nitigrities of the brand for lnd to focus right can you highlight you know some of the best practice or the benefit you know building this kind of an lnd brand well to me jyoti i think it is very important you know the benefits of the learning and development brand really really keep make the learner feel that they are at the center of your activity they are really sort of the you know the person in that golden seat with focus light falling on that person at the center of the stage you know so to say mm-hmm. so i think when you are going to be conveying the story about hey we are here to co-create you are the center we are not going to be having the push approach we are going to have be having the pull approach we are all about purpose we are trying to tell you as to how uh, instead of going to google you can probably rely on an internal lms in order to serve your skilling requirements you are really trying to tell the person that you are the king you are really the person that we are trying to be making the center of our existence in one sense so i think that is that is a beautiful benefit of um, you know creating a compelling learning and development brand i think the other thing is much much more operational and tactical in nature i think if it all you have a brand and you are meticulous about it the good work that you have done also spreads in with with respect to the other stakeholders right yes. the managers begin to talk about your work your senior managers your directors your vps begin to talk about how your department is relevant what kind of courses you have what is the richness of those courses what are the platforms that you have launched how is it that you have made learners into lifelong learners so on and so forth and more importantly they will talk behind your back and talk behind your back in a positive way right yes. and that is where you want to be there is where you want to that there is where you would probably reach nirvana 
<laughs> in terms of a learning and development professional where yeah. people talk about your initiators behind your back in a positive way you have a right hmm. insightful on the nirvana thing and in continuation uh, vishal also want to know if there are any special skills we as a lnd need to hone you know to mm-hmm. enhance our work profile you know if you ask me jyoti one of the things that you know i would like to do within the next 2 years is to kind of develop some digital marketing skills honestly speaking mm-hmm. i have got a understanding i've got things done from people from the marketing organization the brain brain has been mine but the execution has been from the corporate communication but i would like to probably insource that work and probably do it with my team or do it myself mm-hmm. so i think if if you think about one of the skills that you need to learn in order to become a good chief learning officer in our day, day and age and in the years to come is to kind of cultivate a good amount of skill set around branding i think that is one of the things that is required i think the other thing that is required is some amount of familiarization with agile methodologies right hmm. you know if your development life cycles is going the agile way why shouldn't learning a development why can't we have sprints why can't we have prototyping why can't we have co-creation right so these are the kind of things that are very very important to adopt and i think some kind of a course or a mentoring session with a software development vp wherein he can actually take you through the rigors of how is it that agile is built i think that is going to be phenomenally important okay i think the third thing that might be important is probably related to again software development and and that is all about a design thinking mindset right so mm-hmm. i think it is very very important to have an empathetic approach towards what learners what what matters to learners right mm-hmm. and how is it that you're going to be again keeping it iterative trying to kind of you know come up with a beta version of your program and trying to really see that it really solves the problems and the concerns and day to day work issues that are faced by your learners mm-hmm. and if you do that you know a lot of people in the organization will start becoming your fans because you are really tackling some of the things that they are grappling at the workplace so these are a couple of ways in which you could possibly see to it that your work reaches you know your audience your intended audience mm-hmm. i can resonate what you're talking because i just covered the recording of uh, design thinking and uh, that expert was talking about how being human centric from talent management point of view lnd including organization point of view he brought in lot of great nuggets there and i can mm-hmm. admit you know that definitely lnd professional has to go through all of these to be a differentiator amazing one uh, vishal vishal uh, in continuation i am coming from the quality background also and i am keen to know if there be a lot of risk predicting the organization strategy and placing your brand rightfully means what are the challenges one can face in the journey how do we tackle it um i think it is very important uh, to kind of really ask the right questions to the right people and chances are they would probably raise their eyebrows because chances are that in their entire tenure nobody from the learning and development or for that matter hr has come and asked them such kind of questions right mm-hmm. what's your strategy what's the five year plan what's the talent management objective so on and so forth right so there might be a little bit of wading through a little bit of sort of uh, headwinds coming your way in the in the way people react to you but i think if you were to kind of clarify right at the beginning as to why you're doing what you're doing a lot of sort of hackles are sort of reduced and a lot of you know defensive boundaries come down uh, walls come down so to say so i think that would be probably a way of kind of doing it the other thing jyoti is that some of the iterative processes might take a little bit of time so you know if somebody wants to have a learning and development program you know you, you get to have a lot many people asking you kuch kara do you know a training program kara do you know that type of a thing yeah. and my retort to that is that do you really feel that a training program is an answer to your goals <laughs> right and you know and there is where probably you need to have some tough conversations mm. and really tell them that you're not a performer 
you know mm-hmm. you are not going to be standing in front of the audience and 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 just kind of probably tell them even if they are not interested but you are here to kind of make some lasting results materialize so there is where probably a little bit of pushback so i think you know it is all going to be in your hands in order to craft out the destiny that you have for yourself or for your learning and development department within the organization if you are going to be order takers that's how you are going to be continuing and you have just crafted out your destiny mm-hmm. if you are going to be co-creators with your business partners really ask them tough i wouldn't say tough questions but open ended questions in order to just understand the state of the business the state of the goals and objectives the state of talent management and what is it that is required at various stages in the organization i think you will be a lot more suited and here is the other part you start asking those questions your credibility increases over a period of time yeah, right? right people come to know that this is a person or this is a team that is going to be asking you a ton of questions mm-hmm. but the product that they come up with is going to be world class yeah yeah right so i think those are a couple of sort of headwinds if you may that might be coming your way yeah yeah and if i uh, i would like to add my experience you know in this particular thing i say learning and development is not a time pass thing you know you go and you get trained and you come back it's a serious business and we need to know why and justify why you are going to train somebody what is the impact you want to create and that's when the effectiveness matters right that's when people can start talking that story and you know engage rightfully so right we should put that kind of an effort for as an lnd asking why you know important. oh absolutely yeah, absolutely remember one of the things that i talked about was creating the learning culture i think it is very very important to kind of let people know that learning is not only the responsibility of the learning and development team yeah. right it is a corporate responsibility it is a responsibility of every single manager Yeah. you know who's who's leading a team because one of the ways you can really involve the manager is let's just say a pre-program kind of a scenario wherein you actually the manager actually sits with the employee and and says i well these are the objectives of the program that you're going to be attending for the next 3 days what are those various objectives that you would like to concentrate on which is going to be building your development plan yeah. right so you know this is where and then of course the training program happens and then the manager meets up with the attendee once more and say hey what is it that you picked up and more importantly how can i really create that environment that fail safe environment where you can actually practice those skills sure. right and there is where you actually begin to shift the game you actually you know making are making tremendous amount of progress because it is not just you who are involved in the game mm. but it is also the skin of the managers and the business mm. in the entire of the story mm-hmm. so vishal when you are talking about that dipstick connect again and all of that is it the training effectiveness you are talking about because you know that plays an important role and that's an indicator for our training programs right how successful or how failure it has been so from your expertise how do we measure success in branding oh the, the success in branding i think it would be possibly how much of you know your course enrollment has improved uh, how many sort of you know uh, learning champions you have what is the buzz that is being created on the floor you can also probably uh, roll out a survey about a brand recall right at the beginning of the brand rollout strategy and at the end of the brand rollout strategy and see if it all there is material difference in the scoring points that have come up right but i think the the real difference is wherein people have got a top of the mind recall they know the courses they, they know the quality and more importantly they know what is the pain point that your particular initiative is addressing for them to solve right so i think that is going to be the real measurement of you know your learning and development brand initiative hmm. that's a real plan to begin uh, vishal so <laughs> vishal before we jump into my next section of my podcast is there anything we are leaving out here that needs to be addressed to my listeners yeah i think you know probably it might be helpful to kind of really unpack what is a brand identity right so if you think about brand positioning and brand identity and which we have been talking about all of this while mm-hmm. it is really involving telling a unique story about a product or a service while elicit 
expecting an emotional response from your end user or your customer, right? So I think the operative words over there or the phrase over there is an emotional response, right? Hmm. So, so think about an analogy. Think about bottled water, right? I mean, at the end of the day, what is bottled water? It is water in a bottle. But, you know, marketeers have come up with very innovative ways in order to appeal to your hearts and to your minds with respect to bottled water. Mm. So, you know, there is this band called Woss and Woss Water boasts of its upscale packaging and artisan water source in Norway. There is another brand called Ethos that touts its social conscious efforts or Smart Water that markets its electrolyte enriched and I think vapor distilled water. And then you've got Aquafina that probably talks about fresh water for happy people, right? right? So in a similar way, learning and development can have the same opportunity to go beyond just function. Hmm. Learning and development delivers training programs hmm. and define a meaningful place for themselves in the minds of their employees and the hearts of their employees, right? Hmm. What is the unique emotional customer promise that learning and development is espousing? That's the question that we need to ask in order to create the, the brand identity. So, for example, Coke markets happiness, if you remember, right? Or Dove promises real beauty or State Farm, which is an insurance company, I think wants you to be a good neighbor, right? Hmm. Now, these brands are not about soda or soap or insurance, right? So, you know, they are going beyond the functional value and really kind of appealing to your emotional state, right? Hmm. So many learning and development or HR departments make the mistake of referring to their programs and let's just say leadership training programs or training effectiveness programs. Instead, focus on what you want your employees to feel when interacting with your learning programs or the initiatives that you have come up with. Perhaps you're planning for to offer leadership training programs to, to, to new managers. In this case, maybe your promise could be the leadership program that will jumpstart your career to infinity and beyond. Yeah. You know, you're making changes in the way you appeal to the people. You're making emotional connection. You're telling new managers that it will jumpstart. It's like, you know, your battery is drained in a car and you kind of bring those wires in order to jumpstart it. Right. Mm -hmm. In a similar way, if you were to attend this program, it's going to jumpstart right to infinity and beyond. So I was just reading somewhere that BuzzFeed, which is a Internet media company, you know, had uh, a lot many first time managers that faced the challenge of going from peer to manager. Right. So what they did was that they created content to them and say and and branded them, quote unquote, how to adult. Hmm. Right. And then there was a series of financial essentials program that was called BBF to Boss ah. class that focuses on how to manage your friends and earn credibility. Hmm. Right? So very, very innovative, very, very uh, out of the box thinking in one way in order to appeal to the emotional this. And that is what branding is all about in one sense. Hmm. So that is one of the things that I wanted to kind of and talk about. I think the other thing that I wanted to kind of give a parting thought on is how do you kind of really, you were talking about how to kind of create those brand ambassadors and all of that. Mm-hmm. I think one of the ways of doing that is to really amplify the stories and celebrate success. Mm-hmm. So I've got a practical example that I, you know, we, we did in, in my previous organization and we were on the anvil of launching a platform learning uh, initiative and, you know, very, very true to design principles. We piloted it with a couple of people in three different locations in three three different countries. One was in in Bangalore, the other one was in Krakow, and the third was in in Dallas in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And what we did was that at the end of the stipulated period, we asked three questions to the people. What courses did you take? Mm -hmm. What did you learn? And how did you apply the learning? And then what we did was that we portrayed the three most uh, topmost sort of uh, attendees on all of our courses and we got them in front of the audience in each of the three sites and we gave them, you know, uh, awards, basically. We gave them Kindles, we gave them Alexa, we gave them Chromecast, right? And they had the opportunity of standing in front of the audience and answering these three questions, right, that I just Mm -hmm. said. What courses did I take up? What did I learn? And how did I apply the learning, Mm -hmm. right? Now, imagine the kind of sort of um, motivation that you would be giving to the rest of the learners to join your platform, right? right? Because you are celebrating success that was running in our internal website. 
those videos were recorded the cto was there in order to give out those awards all of those type of things so there is a certain amount of intrinsic recognition a lot of extrinsic recognition that you've got to see that you've got to give in order to recognize the learners so you've got to create those avenues of doing that so that's an, another way of promoting a learning culture in one sense yeah interesting i think co-create with people centric ei is something very highly you're uh, watching for interesting segment uh, vishal vishal now we are moving into a powerful questions to unveil for my listeners to engage empower and enlighten and that's the mission of my podcast too are you ready mm-hmm. and this is on demand from my listeners they want to know in personally about the guest how they are and what they are so you will have few question rapid fire kind of a thing oh wow this is quite a bit of a surprise i never knew that this was coming so shoot away let's see how i handle it huh. so i'll shoot the first one now yeah sure yeah according to you what is the star moment i think the star moment for me was to realize my calling right mm-hmm. <laughs> i think a lot of people sleep, sleepwalk into their careers and i've got full empathy towards that but i think it might be helpful for us to really sit down with ourselves and really think as to what is it that we want to do mm-hmm. so think about purpose as three concentric circles right and the intex- intersection of three concentric circles uh, jodi mm-hmm. the first circle is what do i love what do i really love doing right mm-hmm. the second concentric circle is what am i good at mm-hmm. you know i love painting but i'm not so good at painting mm-hmm. could be a data point and the third circle is what is the world going to pay for mm. so the first circle is what do i love the second circle is what am i good at and the third circle is that how can my services be utilized how is the world ready to pay for and at what level right, right. the intersection of these three circles will give you your purpose ah. and for me it was as i said the star moment was i still remember very distinctly it was the third semester of my engineering i was sitting with myself with a paper in uh, paper in front of me and a pen in my hand jotting down what is it that i want to do with my life and you know there is where the entire thing happened so that definitely was a star moment interesting and what inspires you to do everything that you do today Oh wow that's a deep question uh, i think human capital development is such a fascinating field and you cannot do without it without getting benefited yourself hmm. so being a catalyst in the flowering of you know and fruition of human potential is highly satisfying and that is what inspires me every single day and if you own the company what one thing you would do differently in learning I think I would ask a lot of questions and I'm known to ask a lot of questions. I would really like to kind of bring to life this entire thing of being learner-centric kind of an environment and really adopt the principles of agility and design thinking. I think that is something that I would like to do. And I would also like to you know, tell my superiors that if you're going to be expecting magic to happen very quickly, that ain't happening. it's going to take some time and learning should be there for learning sake in one sense <laughs> interesting and what are the three most important things you would like to accomplish right now i think you know it's always i i, I think extrinsic goals will remain that you know you would like to reach a particular stage and 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 address some of the concerns that your organization is throwing at you but at a very internal level I would like to optimize myself professionally and personally and be a student always. I think that's if you kind of keep that at the core the rest of the things fall in place. Hmm. Okay. And this question is based on my audience request to know the strengths of the thought leaders who come on my podcast. So mm-hmm. if I may ask you what are your strengths? I think uh, anti-fragile mentality. I think that is something that so let me just unpack that for you. What I mean by anti-fragile mentality is that I would like to reach a stage or I think I have pretty much sort of at least reached a certain stage in that entire journey wherein I can take setbacks and those setbacks only make me stronger, right? So, you know, I kind of look at what could be the setbacks, what can I learn from it? and what is it that i immediately want to start doing in order to counter that setback so a lot of time people whine and you know kind of really lament about why is it only me that has got to go through it and all of those type of things and 
my mentality is that all right there is a setback there is a fact that is uh, staring in your face what is it that you're going to be doing about it right mm. i think the other part about anti fragile mentality is how do you handle stress right and i think that one of the ways of handling stress is to have a challenge response versus a fear response right mm. so i think your physiology changes if it all you feel that there's going to be you look at stress and 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 say that hey bring it on it's a challenge response versus oh my god what am i going to do about it which is a fear response right so you know the anti fragile mentality i think is 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 a strength and i, I and i constantly keep building on it i think the other thing that i'm pretty much um, i think it's a strength definitely is discipline right you know i think i can completely cut out any distractions if i'm focused on something especially digital distractions i keep my mobile away, away for stipulated periods in time and just focus on what i want to do if it really matters and last but not the least i think definitely this is a towering strength that i can connect the dots right i can i, I can read various materials right from my own field which is learning and development and talent management i can read strategy i can read marketing i can read shakespeare for that matter mm-hmm. and connect the dots basically you know and and bring forth opening of windows that uh, probably were never opened in the past right so at least that is the feedback that i've got so i think yeah connecting the dots is something that is a strength interesting and what's the best book you have read this year or any time you want to recommend for my listeners i wouldn't say probably this year i will give you the the book for 2019 and the book for 2019 is atomic habits by james clear if there is one book that is going to be strongly positioned to change the way you live your life it would be james clear's atomic habits so anybody who's listening i would recommend that you pick up that book it's an amazing amazing book certainly one of my top 5 i think you know i have also have got a section of books that i call quaker books and the reason why i call them quaker books is because it was like an earthquake when i read that book it shook me out of my foundations right so it made me think in a very different way so some of some of those books are this might be surprising to you but first things first by stephen covey okay right so which is a build up on seven habits of highly effective people which is also a favorite but i think first things first really opened up this entire concept of efficiency versus effectiveness about what you can control what you cannot control all of those type of things and mm-hmm. i still remember i was in my 12th standard when i first picked up that book and it changed my life it was like somebody from the pages wore a boxing glove and punched me in my face right mm-hmm. it really really changed and shook me up i think the other book that has really really profoundly affected me is this book called the road less traveled by m scott peck i think it's a very very deep book about uh, human life about growing up about parenting about emotional distress you know a host of things and what i like about m scott peck is that he's not he's so non pretentious you know the first line of the book says life is a problem you know there, there are quite a few problems in your life i mean there is no sugar coating of that word nothing at all it's you know it's very very straight and then he kind of and and travel some compelling profound ideas in that book so yeah i mean i, I well uh, if you want another book then probably man's search for meaning by viktor frankl you know again it it's a beautiful book about a holocaust survivor uh, who's also a psychiatrist uh, from vienna and how he kind of really went through those concentration camps what was the mentality that he carried and all of that so Yeah I think those those could be a couple of books I, I honestly I've got a ton of books that I can possibly think about but for the podcast sake maybe these could be yeah <laughs> doing the job yeah uh, depth and insightful books already four of them I'll definitely put this on my podcast link moving on my next question what are the characteristics of the best boss or a role model or a mentor you ever had and what made that person great for you I think you know apart from the typical management literature and what you would probably hear other people say I think the one thing that has really appealed to me in the people whom I have always followed is vulnerability hmm. you know being completely transparent with your inner drives with your inner concerns with your inner insecurities in a way that really does not put down or demotivate the other person but also makes the person in front of you 
very well recognize that you are also a human being you also have got your fallacies you also have got your vulnerabilities so i think the one leadership trait that i found in my mentors is vulnerability i think the other thing that probably you will hear a lot of people saying is the entire concept of release mentality versus a constraint mentality so i have had a lot of people who are realized leaders walk up to me and say what is it that you want to do you know the atmosphere you know what you are trying to achieve how is it that you want to play hmm. right so it was a very very democratized very very involved involving if you may process of me being very very kicked up and fired up of doing what i did because the leader just opened up an entire canvas in front of me and say paint what you want to as long as it is aligned to whatever it is that we are achieving i am completely on board right so it's a very release mentality hmm. yeah i think these two things in in addition to that the coaching mentality all of that i think that's something that you would hear but i think release mentality and vulnerability are the two things that i have always found good leaders to have and demonstrate interesting are there any tools vishal that you use on a daily basis to be a better you i think is it how i am showing up in the world i've got about a list of about 15 values that i kind of go through at least you know uh, once in two days and and that probably gives me the guardrails of how i'm going to be showing up in the world one among them is you know having a service a mentality right i mean really showing up in the world wherein i can be of value and of service so that's one of the values so yeah showing up uh, how do i how am i going to be showing up in the world I do a lot of journaling, exercising and reading so those could be the other ones. And are there any habit you are practicing which has made you successful in whatever you are doing today? Reading is a meta habit. I sincerely feel that reading is a sort of a mothership. Um think about it if you want to know something about tax you can read. You if you want to know something about how to impress your girlfriend you can read, you know. <laughs> There are it's a, it's a meta habit. The other thing that I think are meta habits is the entire the thing about sleeping. Uh, your habits around food because I think sleeping is also if you dial in into sleep you get your 6 7 hours or whatever 8 hours of sleep I think you would turn up to be a better human being the next day your willpower will be a lot more higher your discipline will be a lot more higher you will take a lot more objective decisions mm-hmm. so I think sleeping is a meta habit and I think eating right I mean what you put in your body if at all you're going to be putting sugars in your body if you're going to be probably not taking care of when you eat and how you eat then obviously that is going to be affecting some of the things that you aspire to do and how you show up in the world so yes sleeping eating hmm. moving which is exercises are all meta habits and reading of course and i just heard today that india is in the second list on sleep deprivation oh is it i i knew that india was doing bad but i never knew that we had sort of graduated to the second position second position yeah oh that's horrible yeah Yeah good that you brought these three points which are really critical from the health point of view also and growth point mm-hmm. of view mm-hmm. yeah. mm-hmm. so vishal yeah. uh, you come to an end of this interview and i have one question left and before i ask you that how can people get in touch with you to get more insight or collaborate where can they reach out to you Well, I'm not all that big, wherein I have a <laughs> website or something of that sort. Um, I, I think you could possibly reach me out on my LinkedIn profile. I typically respond to that. You could also write to me at vishal zero eight twelve seventy five at the rate gmail dot com. Okay. These could be the two ways of reaching two out ways. to me, definitely. Sure, sure. So I put the LinkedIn link and the uh, your email ID also. So that should be fine. Yeah. On a yeah. closing note, and that last question, Vishal. your advice mm-hmm. to people who are new and want to accelerate their career in learning and development i would say ask you know really really ask yourself if it all this field is for you right i think it's a i wouldn't want to scare people but it's a it's a field that is going to change you it is going to kind of invoke a couple of things in you that will make you look at yourself a little more differently and that might not be a comfortable journey for you and i would like to probably elevate that and say that think about teaching right i mean teaching is one of the most noblest of professions in the world in any culture right yeah. learning and development to a certain extent takes its inspiration from this entire school of thought of teaching right yeah. 
Mm. And, you know, not everybody can be a teacher, right? That requires a certain amount of a mindset, a certain amount of skill set. And honestly, a certain amount of, you know, the way you kind of process your emotions, right? So I think it, it, it I think there is a certain amount of value in order to sit back and really think whether this field is for me. Sure. And that's a super cool, great insight, Vishal. So ladies and gentlemen, all the links and resources which we have discussed today will be made available in my show note page of my podcast, Stars of Learning. And also on my website, prajvitaknowledge.com, that is P-R-A-J-V-I-T-A, knowledge.com. Thank you so much, Vishal, for being on this show. I really enjoyed all the nuggets of power of branding in L&D and you being candid in all of the conversation. Wonderful insight, I would say. And my key takeaway is the five great points what you have shared on this podcast really wonderful and thank you so much for sharing those well it was a pleasure uh, you know being here jyoti and this was fun so thank you very much for having me here thank you really appreciate your time it's been great to have you on my show so friends i hope you enjoyed this conversation with vishal if you have got any learning or motivated hearing to vishal then make sure you do share this podcast with your friends and post it on Facebook, Twitter, Insta and tag me and Vishal and do let your friends know that this amazing information you have learned and let this piece of amazing information help many others to engage, enlighten and empower. Thank you so much for your patience and tuning into this show. Bye for now. Take good care of yourself and go out and do something engaging, enlightening and empowering. Thank you.